The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Pet Panorama with your host, Dr. Julie Mayer. Your pet is often referred to as your best friend, yet when it comes to their health care, sometimes we don't understand all of the options that are available to keep them healthy and living a good quality life as long as possible. In our program, we will explain and explore the best care possible, and we invite your participation as well. Now, here is Dr. Julie Mayer. Well, welcome back, all you pet lovers, in... St. Patty's Day land. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, I'm here in the studio and all my friends are out having a good time. But I'm having a good time too because I like to talk to you. So um, today we're going to talk about pets and pain. That was uh, the unanimous vote that we that I proposed last week. Pets and pain is going to be um, discussed today and uh, probably... The next episode and maybe the following episode after that, too. And I want to put out a reminder, if if anyone out there in the listener land uh, has a business or a product or an expertise in natural pet health care, and they want to share that with our listeners, then, then you can definitely contact me and be a guest on the show. I like to have some company. <laughs> Again, I'm alone in the studio. And you can advertise with us as well or even be a sponsor of the show So, because it's very exciting and we're getting some great ratings. So very excited about that. So uh, back to pain. Um, I'm sure we have all experienced pain, and it can be definitely different for each individual. But I wanted to go into, you know, do, do, do we really talk about, you know, what is the definition of pain? Um, how do you experience it? What are the categories of pain and things like that? So I wanted to give us some background, and then we can uh, talk about a lot of fun stuff as far as uh, managing pain um, and recognizing pain in pets. So what is pain? Why do we have pain? It's We don't want pain, so why do we have pain? And it, pain actually has a purpose. If you put your hand on a hot stove... Right then, you want to feel that pain so that your reflexes will make you pull your hand away without thinking about it. You things are lightning fast because you don't want to get burned. So it definitely it's a defense mechanism actually. So if we get caught in a cactus, we want to get out of there pretty quick, right? So we'll have some pain associated with that to try to get us out of danger. It's also well as we know it's an unpleasant sensory and. And it's an emotional experience. And that emotional experience can be so different to every different person and to every different pet. And yes, pets do have emotion. We can see it externally. Um, We can see the side effects of it. So as far as if it's bad emotional experience, we can see happy faces. We can see sad faces. 
So they definitely do have emotions. Um, it, it, and pain has multiple causes, and people and animals respond to it in multiple and individual ways. Every being has a different pain tolerance. So, you know, you may say, oh, that shouldn't hurt, or, you know, you're a baby, or something of that nature, but everybody definitely receives and perceives pain differently. The pain may be perceived as an ache, a sharp stabbing, or a throbbing, and these obviously are adjectives that we, um, you know, we can get from humans. Obviously, dogs can't talk to us in language, just their language, which we don't understand. So we have to, you know, think about what we feel when we get poked or crushed or break a bone, what may be happening to our own pets. It could come and go, or it could be constant. Acute pain typically comes on suddenly, and it has a limited duration. It's frequently caused by damage to tissue, such as bone, muscle, organs, and the onset is often accompanied by anxiety or emotional distress because all of a sudden you're fine, and then you're not, and you're in pain. So it's shocking, it's different, it's unusual. In pets, and all animals pretty much, may not understand what they are experiencing and they become anxious and disturbed. And people become anxious and disturbed as well. It's very distressing when you're in pain. Whereas chronic pain, that lasts longer than acute pain. And generally it's somewhat resistant to medical treatment, especially if it's very chronic for long periods of time. And it takes longer to resolve. Chronic pain can be the result of damaged tissue, but usually it comes from nerve damage. With chronic pain, the signals of pain remain active in the nervous system for months or even years. And it's, I see a lot of dogs in pain, and they have been in pain for a long time. And remember, they grow and you know, progress through life, life very quickly versus us, so things can be obvious in a short period of time. So... What happens here? You know, we, with the chronic pain, these, these signals, um, these nerve endings are firing and firing and firing. And like I said, it could be on for months or even years. And obviously, that's going to take a toll on the body. And it could take both a physical and emotional toll on the living being. It is usually associated with long-term illness. For example, uh, osteoarthritis or arthritis. People, dogs, they both get it, but also, uh, and cats, cats can as well, um, or fibromyalgia in, pre- in people. And a lot of people don't understand fibromyalgia, and a lot of people think it doesn't really exist. But again, everybody perceives pain differently. So both acute and chronic pain, they can be obviously debilitating, and both can affect and be affected by a being's state of mind. So here's where the mind and the body comes in, and it's hard for us to understand that in these species that aren't us, right? So this is where we have mind-body healing. Um, You know, how are we receiving this pain in our mind, that emotional state? How are we feeling about it? Does it depress us, et cetera? So this is where the actual physical pain will involve um, some emotions in our mind. So 
again, they both can be affected by the chronic or acute pain. But the nature of the chronic pain, the fact that it's ongoing and in some cases seems almost constant, that makes the individual who has it more susceptible to psychological consequences such as depression and anxiety. Um, Interesting story. Uh, My friends and I were in a minivan, having a good time, driving down the street, going to our next destination. And I noticed it was at night that there was a something laying in the road close to the curb. Well, it was a human being. So, of course, I told them to stop the car. I got out of the car, and there was a person laying there, and there was a rear-view mirror or a side mirror on, on the curb, and there was a purse. And so I started talking to her, and I waved to my friends to call 911, And meanwhile, I was having some conversation with her because I wanted to keep her conscious and she had a lot of damage to her body. And meanwhile, of course, the helicopter above was shining the light on us and, you know, all the news people were coming around. So I was having a conversation with her and she she told me, she was only in her 20s, she told me that she, she was done with life because she had chronic pain and nobody could understand her. And that was such a shame to see This poor human being laying there, she tried to commit suicide by jumping in front of a car. And unfortunately, she didn't. And now she has to go through, you know, process of rehab and things like that. So it can really affect a lot of people in different ways. And the same in our animals. So I'll see, you know, a little Yorkie and it's just shivering and huddling in the corner. And it just has, you know, a cut toenail. And then I'll see a Labrador who literally, you could cut their leg off, and the next day they're running and chasing a ball. So it's very interesting to see the different breeds and to see the different ages that these dogs definitely, you know, how they receive that pain. So, again, chronic pain, it's ongoing, and it really can affect people or pets with depression and anxiety. At the same time, psychological distress can amplify pain. So if, you know, if you have a pet and they were abused and you rescued them and they have, let's say, a fracture that, you know, that happened during the abuse, well, their psychological distress can actually amplify the pain that they're experiencing. So we have to understand all of these things and try to empathize with them. We do see this in animals. They become depressed and distant. They may hide. They don't want to be bothered, right? The emotional toll of, toll of the chronic pain also can make pain worse and weaken the body. And also, in general, anxiety, stress, depression, aggression, fatigue, these all interact in complex ways with the chronic pain and may decrease the body's production of natural painkillers. So there's some certain neurotransmitters in the nervous system that act as painkillers. And stress and all of these other experiences in the body, whether human or other species, they definitely can exacerbate this pain sensation. And very, very interesting, and I want you all to remember this, there is considerable evidence that chronic Debilitating pain can suppress the immune system. So the longer that we or other species are in pain and the more debilitating it is, we definitely are going to lower our immune system. And stress, stress, stress is a big word, right? Stress is 
a lot of different things going on in life, for sure. But in the canine community, I see overtrained pets who are athletes, and it causes a lot of stress on them. I see overworked dogs, um, and literally, you know, they may be police canines, they may be rescue can- uh, canines. Um, they can be overworked. They work really hard, just like their human counterparts. Abused, totally. Obviously, that's a lot of stress. And if they're fat, being fat is hard. It's very, very hard. It's exhausting. It does a lot to the body. It's harder for them to move from A to B. It causes a lot of joint uh, problems. So there's all kinds of stresses, and we have to take that into consideration. We want to try to have our pets be as relaxed as possible and not have bad experiences, definitely while they are healing. So other categories of pain, there's two main categories of pain um, caused by the tissue damage. So nociceptive pain, right, is caused by tissue damage. And then another kind of pain is called neuropathic pain, and that's caused by nerve damage. A third category is psychogenic pain, and this is what we're talking about here, the mind and the body, which is pain that is affected by psychological factors. Psychogenic pain most often has an underlying physical origin either in the tissue or the nerve damage, but the pain caused by the damage is increased or prolonged by such factors as fear, depression, stress, and anxiety. So it's this constant cycle Right, you have tissue damage, which causes pain, and pain causes, you know, stress and anxiety, which causes more pain. So it's just this vicious, vicious cycle. So what I do, I don't just treat the pain. I treat the patient. I treat the patient with anti-anxiety supplements. I try to help them be more comfortable in their environment, and I try to guide the owner to, you know, let's make the environment as non-stressful as we can. So we need, that's what holistic practitioners do. They treat the whole pet. So something very, very interesting about, you know, how pain can cause um, um, an emotional state, which can cause uh, maybe some other kind of action, is I had a case, it was very awesome. I had a case when I was in Chicago uh, at my practice, integrated pet care, and this, it was a black, black lab, came in with um, the owner, and she told me the story that this dog was about 10, and she had a 12-year-old boy, and they were very um, good friends. And every night before bed, they would hug each other. They'd sit at the end of the bed, and they would hug each other. So all of a sudden, kind of sort of out of the blue, this dog, like, actually started to growl at, at, at the child, and actually bit the child. And that was very shocking because, you know, they grew up together, basically. So the, the dog had all kinds of blood tests. It's, it saw an orthopedic surgeon. There was nothing structurally wrong that they can detect. And it, nobody can find anything. So they came to me. They were very desperate. And I, the dog looked fine. No problems, didn't look like it was limping, didn't look like there was anything going on. And I started palpating the dog in my chiropractic way. And I found a very, a hot spot. So it was in the sacrum. I pressed on the sacrum and I found the spot. And literally he turned to try to bite me. 
And I said, well, we found it. So that's a good thing. So after three chiropractic adjustments, I said, you know, let's come in for a follow-up. So they come in for a follow-up, and the whole family came in. And I met the son, the father, the other child, that's uh, the daughter that's in the house, and the mom, who I've been dealing with. And the kids started crying. And he's like, I got my dog back. I got my dog back. Thank you so much. And it was amazing. It was amazing to see that the pain was totally changing this poor animal. And, and, and I'm sure that dog didn't feel good about biting, biting the child. So, so these things actually exist. Nerve functions like electric cables transmitting signals, right? It's fast. It's lightning speeds, including pain signals, of course. So they go to and from the brain. And damage to the nerves anywhere along these routes will interfere with the way those signals are transmitted and cause pain signals that are abnormal. For instance, let's let's say that there may be a burning sensation even though there's no physical heat being applied to that area. So I don't know if any of you have experienced that, but that can actually happen. You may feel heat somewhere, but there's nothing being applied to the body. The pain caused by nerve damage, the neuropathic pain, as I mentioned before, is often described by uh, people as burning or prickling or electric shock or pins and needles or stabbing sensation. So we humans, we can identify these experiences Obviously, our pets can't talk to us, right? And typically, we can, you know, logically localize where the active area is. However, you know, often the active area is not the source of the pain. So meaning the origin, the real origin of the pain can come, it's remote. It can come from somewhere else. This is called radicular pain um, or radiculitis, it's pain that's radiating along the skin and tissues that are over a nerve due to inflammation or other irritation to the nerve root at its connection at the spinal column. So it's very, very interesting. And I'm going to get into this, too, a little bit more after the break because I think a lot of um, the listeners, the human listeners, definitely can. They've had experience as such. They may not understand, you know, what this is, and but they have had the experiences in their own bodies. And we have to understand that, again, these pets can have very, very similar experiences that we do. And I want to go into some awesome, interesting things. Um, chiropractic has been a wonderful, wonderful tool for me, um, and I've been practicing it since 1996. And a lot, I see a lot of skeletal, musculoskeletal problems, and chiropractic has been a fantastic tool, um, you know, for us to, uh, for me to relieve some pain, inflammation, and help the pet and the families at the same time. So we're going to take a little break, and then after that, we're going to talk about some more pain. We'll see you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. 
living the challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present and learn to live your life's infinite potential. It's time to experience Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with host Rochelle McLaughlin. Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well-being and learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health & Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at petpanorama at gmail.com. That's petpanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. All right. Welcome back. And we were talking about radicular pain, which is also called radiculitis. And it's pain radiating along the skin and tissues, usually over a nerve. And it's due to inflammation or other irritation of the nerve root, which is up by the spinal column. So as it comes off the spinal cord, okay, by the vertebrae. So, for example, a common form of radiculitis in people is sciatica. And I know a lot of people with sciatica. And actually, I see a lot of dogs with sciatica. And it's not fun. Um, And again, it can, every person can experience it differently. Um, In sciatica, it's described as a radicular pain that radiates along the sciatic nerve from it comes from the lower spine, the lumbar vertebrae of, of the lower back. And it, it's kind of in your buttocks area. So it will trace um, behind your buttocks area a little bit. Go down your gluteals, the back of the upper thigh, calf to your foot. Okay, And it, it's often secondary to this nerve root irritation from the spinal column. And and at the spinal column, it can be due to a disc herniation or a disc rupture or bone spurs in the lumbar region, okay? And why it's that low in the body is because that's where these nerve roots of the sciatic nerve come off the spinal cord. 
I definitely see this in dogs. So, you know, they'll, they'll come to me, they'll be lame in a rear leg. Um, they have a lot of discomfort and heat, usually at the lower lumbar vertebrae, where the nerve roots would come off the spine to feed the sciatic nerve. And when I palpate the sciatic nerve, so I palpate the, the lumbar region, I palpate the sacrum, so all this is in the back of the dog, and I trace the sciatic nerve as it goes down the leg. And, and actually, the sciatic nerve will become, in the dogs, not necessarily in the people, will become more superficial in a certain area, and I trace that, and if I press on it and I palpate it, I can definitely get a reaction from the dog. And when I treat it, and I'll treat it with natural um, anti-inflammatories, and I treat it with laser. Laser is a wonderful tool, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. It goes away. So I do adjustments at the spine if they're, if they're necessary. I treat the nerve directly. I give homeopathic remedies, and I give natural anti-inflammatories. And it's amazing. It's, it's fabulous. And I do see this a lot. So some people in pets with nerve damage are often hypersensitive, you know, to temperature and touch. So what happens is if you have pain in the area, your nerves are kind of on fire, right? So they're feeding things to your brain. Um, they're making you feel pretty bad. But also they, they will be very hypersensitive, almost primed. And so sometimes even just a light touch um, or even a temperature change to that part of the body, the, the person or the pet will be hypersensitive. So, again, light touch like petting, brushing, right? So sometimes, you know, you're used to petting your pet, and they're fine, and they're enjoying that, and then sometimes, you know, you go to a certain part of the body, and all of a sudden they're like, you know, they're going to bite you, or they run away, or they look at you like you shock them. So this, this happens, this happens a lot. So that area may be pathological because there may be something going on and that pet is hypersensitive. Okay, so pay attention to these things. And and you can feel temperature. I teach my I teach my clients this a lot. I teach them, I want them to go over their pets all the time. I want them to do range of motion, passive range of motion of the of the appendages and the joints. And I want them to feel asymmetry. I want them to feel heat. I want them to be my eyes because I can't be there with them. I would love to, but I can't. So I teach them because I want them to comb and literally just go over their pets all the time when necessary. And 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 see what they, f- and, and it's great. A lot of them can start to feel heat. So it's, it's, it's fabulous because then they come in to see me early because they know something's wrong before there's a problem or a lesion. And that's when I want, you know, it's easier for me to, to prevent than it is to treat, right? So I teach my clients to, to prevent by finding things for me and taking care of it before it becomes a problem and we don't get into this chronic pain. So there's a very interesting syndrome, in, and I see it a lot in cats. It's called hyperesthesia, okay? And it's, it's an excessive physical sensation in the skin of, of cats, and it's in the sacral area, which is right where the tail comes off of the body. And it's, that's, that's the most common area. Cats can can be kind of interesting species regardless. But usually I do see it in the back end, definitely by the tail. And 
you'll see they may sit there and they get agitated and they flick their tail. They may look at their um, backside. Sometimes they chase their tail. Their skin twitches if you just lightly touch that area. And sometimes they just literally just take off running frantically um, as if something just shocked them. And people think it's funny, but it's, it's actually a syndrome. It's actually not normal. I see this a lot. Sometimes you'll also, you know, another symptom is for them to excessively groom um, that area or pull the fur out of the, t- the tail. So what has been a fabulous, fabulous tool is chiropractic. It has been the best resolution for, for the hyperesthesia syndrome. And again, and the general practitioner, the regular vets, as I call them, the allopathic way, they just put them on painkillers and anti-inflammatories and things like that. But it never goes away because if there's a problem with the communication of the bones in the skeletal system in that area, it's not going to go away with drugs. And it has been amazing. It's, it's, it's fabulous. Chiropractic has been awesome for this syndrome. And, of course, you know, I'll, I'll have the clients go over supplements and things like that and how can they also help the cat um, from this reoccurrence. So there's a lot of manual things that we do. There's a lot of, as far as pain management, there's a lot of um, different kind of rehab modalities. There's a lot of herbs. There's a lot of options. There's acupuncture, there's laser, and we're going to get into um, the details of those modalities. So those are some fun examples that um, can be successful, successfully treated. And then this way we get the pet out of pain as quickly as we can so that there's not any long-term side effects or emotional issues. And we want them to, you know, be the rock star that they are. And we want them to be part of the family again. So you may ask, well, how do I know if my pet is in pain? And that's a good question because, again, they can't talk to us and we can't ask them questions. So they can't tell us what hurts or where it hurts. So we have to recognize pain in our pets. And it's great. A lot of vet schools now are um, incorporating pain scales for dogs and cats because dogs and cats will exhibit pain differently. Um, and they teach the vet students this. So I think that's fabulous because it just helps everybody to, instead of you know arbitrary, subjective kind of um, descriptions, it's very organized. So, um, so that's good. I'm glad that those uh, are circulating through the vet schools. Um, you know, what's, okay, lameness is going to be obvious, right? The dog, cat is limping, turtle, what have you. Um, or they may have a change in their movement. And which may be obvious or just subtle. And everybody has a different eye on their pet. A lot of the sports-minded and athletic people and pets, they really keep a good eye on their pet because they're training constantly and they watch them move constantly and they take videos, which is great. Um, Fatigue, just general fatigue could be a symptom. Sleeplessness or restless sleep, definitely just like you and me, if we had ache and pain, it's hard in the, in the night to get some sleep. Withdraw from activity, okay, not hanging out with the family. Decreased endurance or performance. Weakened immune system, as I mentioned in a few minutes ago, all right? Chronic pain can definitely decrease the immune system. So if the pet is getting sick a lot, that may be a sign of pain. Changes in the mood, such as fear, depression, 
irritability, anxiety, stress. So again, it's a change. Now, some pets may have, you know, some of these bad habits and things like that, but it will be definitely a change in the pet. Um, sometimes they're just sleeping more. You know, you they use, usually they follow you around the house. They may just be hanging out, taking a long, long snoozing nap. And that could be a sign that they're a little depressed and or they're just so sore that they just have to sleep because they don't want to get up and move about. Also... Um, it's interesting. The, I'll have a patient. They'll come in the room, and I'm asking some questions, and I know it's you know it's going to be about some kind of lameness and such. And I'll ask, you know, or do they hurt in the front leg? Are they limping in the front leg? And the client may say no, and I'll say, well, your pet is definitely licking the front leg. And then they're like, how can you tell? Because obviously, I don't live with them. And you can see if there's obsessive licking that the fur will be stained like a copper color, and that's from the saliva. So a dog can walk in the room, and I can tell if it's been licking one leg, most likely it's licking the leg to try to soothe its pain, okay, or they chew it like, you know, you eat corn on the cob. And a lot of the clients don't even recognize that or well they may not know what that means they may not witness their pet licking and they don't know that so then they're aware and then we're all able to to check that pet out and see what's happening hiding hiding is huge and in nature that's what they're going to do they don't want to be lunch they don't you know they don't want to be a prey so if they're sick if they're not feeling good you know if they're in pain they definitely will hide Again, as I mentioned before, they'll have some behavior changes, some anxiety, right? Um, They may have decreased appetite. That's huge because a lot of people notice that, right? They feed them usually twice a day, once or twice a day, and they know a lot lot of times our pets usually like the food that, uh uh-oh, we got something going on. Again, a disconnect from the family. Panting. Panting is huge. So there'll be a change. Again, this is a change. There'll be panting, obviously, at the inappropriate times. So if it's real cold in the house and they're panting, that's probably something unusual. Refusing to do daily activities. So going up and down the stairs, jumping in and out of the car, going for walks, playing. And a lot of cli- you know, and I'll bring these up, and, and the client will be like, "Well, yeah, you're right. I, I haven't seen Fifi go up and down the stairs in about three days." So these little things are definitely maybe related to pain, all right, or discomfort. Um, refuses to sit or lay or perform a command. So in the exam room, I'll actually have the owner put the pet through different positions. Because I want to see, you know, how do they sit? Are they sloppy? Does it look painful? You know, do they use their rear legs to get up or do they pull with the front? There's so much I can see just by watching that pet go through these transitions, go through these motions. So I have them, um, you know, sit, um, sternal down, which is sphinx down. I may have them, you know, turn left or turn right. And I really can pick up a lot by the way the pet is moving. And then the owner starts to see, as I point some things out, that, oh, yeah, you're right. And we always, you know, there's two sides to these dogs. So we always see if there's asymmetry. 
That's what we're looking for. Does the left look like the right? Does the right look like the left? So that's very, very important. And even just do they refuse to pick up a toy, right? So maybe they're very, you know, they like to play tennis balls. They like to do some things like that or a Frisbee or whatnot or a stick. And if they refuse to pick up the toy, maybe their neck hurts. Maybe their jaw hurts. Maybe their teeth hurt. Okay, so pay attention to that. Um, if you're exercising, if you're working them or exercising them and they just sit down, if you're taking them for a walk and they just sit down, that may be a form of they're like, I'm done. I'm, I'm in discomfort, I'm in pain, and I'm done. Also with the transitions and the postures, if they have an incorrect posture, you want to look for that too. So you put them through these motions and you also, again, look for symmetry. Do they sloppy sit, you know, roll on a hip? Are they shifting positions, right? Can they hold a posture for a little while? We need to know that. Um, or, you know, can I, they not perform this posture? Also, I ask this question a lot, and I ask if they eliminate, are they able to maintain a posture to defecate and to urinate? Do they lift their leg to pee? And then, oh, no, I haven't seen that in a while. So these are really good questions. Do they fall? Do they trip? Do they drag their feet? Do they shut down emotionally? And again, is there avoidance behavior? You know, they won't perform a certain task, and they won't pay attention. They'll sniff. You know, you ask them to go do something, and let's say they're pretty obedient, and that's not typical that they'll just walk away and go sniff or, you know, go pay attention somewhere else. That's kind of avoidance. Um, again, doesn't like to be touched in a certain area. Maybe they have a little of that hyperesthesia we were talking about or just a certain way that they refuse br brushing or petting. So these little things, you know, we may think that they're being bad or, you know, they, they, they just don't want to be near us or something like that, but this may actually be they're telling us something, okay? This is something different. And trembling is another thing. Now, trembling, we have to be careful because a they could be trembling because the room temperature is cold, which my Bostons do all the time, and I do. Um, they could be trembling because they're in pain. Okay, they could be trembling because the smoke alarm battery is going and is beeping constantly. So again, we have to you know look at what's happening. We have to look at the surroundings and the circumstances that we're finding these symptoms in. So, and it's good to pay attention to, and if you are suspecting pain, take video if you can, like them doing these different positions and transitions and things like that, because it's the best thing ever. When they come into the office, sometimes their, their adrenaline is going and they don't show us what you see at home. So it really helps the practitioner um, for us to see and witness what you're seeing. And even when dogs have seizures, I totally have the clients, you know, definitely take a look, uh, take a video so I can look at it because there's different kinds of seizures. So think about these things. And we're going to take another little break and we're going to talk about some drugs. See you soon. <laughs> Thank you.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are your eating habits out of control? Does food have power over you? Have you been diagnosed with an eating disorder or feel that you might have one? Before you follow advice or suggestions from uninformed sources, listen to Chasing Hunger every Tuesday with host Kathy Welter Nichols, who will dispel the myths, reveal the secrets, share good practice, and open the gateway through awareness and deeper understanding. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you're busy, stressed, and can't ever seem to find the time to add in those new healthy habits, you need to check out Lisa Lutan's Busy, Stressed, and Food-Obsessed show. This program will help you discover easy ways to improve your health and happiness. Plus, you will pick up all sorts of tips on better eating, fitness, relationships, how to manage stress, and a lot more. You'll feel yourself becoming healthier just by tuning in. Listen live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at PetPanorama at gmail.com. That's PetPanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. Okay, welcome back, listeners, all you pet lovers. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the common um, pain management uh, medications that your pets may have experienced or you may have heard the buzzwords and things like that. Um, and we're definitely going to talk about um, the holistic treatments that we can do for pets in addition to pain management, meaning um, pharmaceutical pain management, or instead of. So that's what I like about being holistic and obviously having, you know, a DVM uh, degree. Um, it's, it's a marriage, okay? It's, it's, it's a great relationship of having knowledge on both sides and being able to um, help a pet either get off drugs completely or if they can't get off drugs completely, at least we have tools to be able to help them heal. And with that, a lot of times we can lower the doses of the pharmaceuticals. So there are a lot of patients that we can't take them off medications, um, but we can help at least 
decrease um, those medications, which, of course, then hopefully would help with less side effects, you know, with chronic use, which is that's when they usually happen, um, down the road. So, and then they're just, you know, feeding the cells and kind of consuming a lot of antioxidants and a lot of good stuff anyway. So um, it's, it's a nice change. So um, I'm sure everybody who's had a pet, they probably have had a pet that has had some form of trauma or some kind of pain um, in their lifetime because um, it's easy to do, easy to experience that. So the first... Um, kind of a line of treatment typically with pharmaceuticals in the veterinary community would be um, NSAIDs. And NSAIDs mean non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. So that's N-S-A-I-D. And they're, and it's, it's interesting because a lot of um, clients, pet owners, do perceive NSAIDs as painkillers. Well, they're not directly painkillers. They indirectly kill the pain by decreasing inflammation. So, so they are anti-inflammatories. Um, and obviously, inflammation could cause tissue damage, which can cause pain. So, you know, indirectly, again, it, it does act as a painkiller. Um, steroids. So steroids, I've been around for a while, um, 25 years plus, and we didn't have non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Everything was steroids. So pretty much uh, just about any patient that came in, if there was inflammation, they would get steroids. If there was an infection, they'd get antibiotics. So it was just antibiotics and steroids, antibiotics and steroids. Um, So because of the chronic use and in a lot of pets, we were discovering that there's lots of side effects, lots of side effects to chronic use of steroids, but that's all we had. Okay? That's all we had in our community, and the veterinary community was steroids for inflammation. And they work. I can't deny that. They work. However, if, they, if the pets stay on the, these drugs, especially steroids, um, f- for a long time, then this is when we're going to see definitely some side effects. And some of these side effects are pretty bad. Um, they can cause a lot of liver damage. Um, they can create... Um, Cushing's disease in pets, which is a disease of the adrenal glands. So they're not benign. Most drugs are not benign. And luckily, um, I think it was Etagesic was the first non-steroidal anti-inflammatory to come on the market. Remedil came out on the market. And unfortunately, Remedil did come out on the market and it was, you know, used a lot and Obviously, when you use um, drugs and over years, you start to see what kind of side effects can develop. And Remedil was recalled. Um, there was a class action, action suit, I think it was somewhere on the East Coast, and uh, some Labradors were actually dying of liver disease uh, very quickly from starting Remedil. So Remedil was reintroduced into the market, and now... You know, I, I make this expression, it's given out like candy. Um, however, when the manufacturers reintroduced it to veterinary medicine, they said that, you know, you need to take blood tests before and you need to take blood tests after, you know, so many weeks of use to make sure that the liver is okay. So that's why all those 
pet owners who do have your pets on Rimadyl, they do, um, you, you need to get a blood test before and you need to have some monitoring of that liver and other organs, for that matter, kidneys, um, with this use. So keep that in mind. Um, so again, a steroid or all of your NSAIDs are anti-inflammatories. So the painkillers are going to be your tramadol, gabapentin, and amantadine. The first two are pretty popular. So pretty much a lot of dogs, if they come in lame um, and the you know the clinician doesn't find a lot, they send meaning they physically they can't find the lesion. They'll send the pets home on rest um, and usually a painkiller, so tramadol and a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Um, gabapentin. So tramadol is like a morphine. Gabapentin is um, a nerve, you know, more so for nerve pain. And amantadine, it's kind of interesting. You can look this up, look up the history, but it's actually um, a drug manufactured for humans, and it's it's an antivirus drug. Um, So it's used for uh, influenza viruses and such, and it also helps with the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Um, but with pets, they have discovered that it can act as a uh, painkiller. So that's nice. Uh, you know, arthritis, disc disease, um, other ner- nerve pain, um, cancer pain, um, osteosarcomas are very painful, okay? So your pets may be on some of these um, painkillers. So these are true painkillers. They will block the pain. Um also, what's really interesting in, we're going to not just talk about small animal, but uh, even horses, they'll do a lot of nerve blocks. They, they can do nerve blocks to try to diagnose an area that's in trouble, but sometimes just to, you know, if, if, if there's, they know a nerve is irritating the horse, they can cut it out. And guess what? They do that in humans too. So I actually had a client tell me that he had chronic nerve pain, and his MDs cut the nerve out. They tried a lot of painkillers and anti-inflammatories, and they cut the nerve out. Doesn't sound like a fun solution to me, but I guess sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So, again, this is where general practitioners and even you know specialists, but they're veterinary, allopathic, veterinary medicine, this is where the holistic can really shine, especially if it if it works. Now, it's, all of these modalities may not work on different people, different pets. Um, sometimes acupuncture is not working for the patient, so I'm going to go to laser. I'm going to go to another modality. So at least we have options also in our field, and we can juggle those and figure out, especially with the pets. You know, we we can't talk to them, so sometimes things are trial and error. But that's why we have a lot of different modalities is because every individual experiences the pain, perceives the pain in different ways, okay? And different amplitudes, so to speak. So I, I just think that's kind of interesting that we're just going to cut out the bad part that is causing some pain in this person. And, you know, this is where it would be awesome if practitioners can mention maybe you need to seek somebody who does acupuncture, maybe you need to seek somebody who does chiropractic, you know, maybe you should try um, a naturopath. So it's hopefully the future. I'm looking into the future, and I'm part of the future because I'm teaching vet students. And 
it should be normal and natural that a general practitioner, if they have no more tools in their toolbox and the pet is still, you know, and they maybe they've seen many different doctors and many different specialists, and if the pet is still no better, don't give up. But mention that there's other things that can be done. There's alternative ther- therapies. There's complementary therapies. There's rehab. There's a lot of different things out there. And they're not all hocus-pocus. I've been practicing for 15 years as a holistic vet, and the miracles that I see, and again, our pets are not placebos. They are not, they don't have a placebo. They can't, you know, they they can't formulate this in their mind that I'm going to go to Dr. Mayer's office and she's going to put those needles at me, and I know I'm supposed to be better. So that's what's going to happen. Well, They can't reason like that. So what we see is true blue, and that's what I like about this because it's very rewarding, not all the time, right? Sometimes we have our failures as well, but our failures aren't very detrimental to the body, okay? So if a medicine fails and if there are side effects to, the, to a medicine and you have to withdraw, that's a failure. So we don't have a lot of failures that are very detrimental to the body. They just don't work. And then we move on and we try other things because there's a lot of awesome stuff out there. So this is where in the future I'm hoping that veterinarians will naturally and be taught that this is an option on the plate, okay? We have a dog who has osteosarcoma. You know, we can amputate. We can just treat them, make them happy and comfortable and give them pain meds. We can, we, you know, and then we're eventually just going to end up putting them to sleep if we don't amputate. So there's other options. There's other directions. And as practitioners, all practitioners, MDs, veterinarians, it would be awesome if, if we can all mention these other things. So wishful thinking, but I think it's going to happen because everybody's asking for it. (laughs) So meaning they're asking for these other therapies. And trazodone. Trazodone, so, you know, we have to think about, again, treating not just the pain, but we have to think about treating the mind, okay? Because chronic pain, again, in people and pets can really cause them to go a little loopy, a little crazy, or be aggressive and hurt somebody, and we don't want that to happen. So trazodone, trazodone is a serotonin antagonist reuptake inhibitor. So it works by altering chemicals, the, the serotonin in the brain, and because that may become imba- um, unbalanced due to, again, chronic pain and all these weird um, nerves are misfiring in the brain and the activity isn't normal. Um, so the ser- serotonin levels... Um, will increase in the brain, and it's a, and it's just a chemical. It facilitates, you know, messages among the brain cells, and it really helps communication in there, um, which is a good thing. And trazodone is a, it's a pre- prescription drug, of course, and it can be um, obtained for, by the uh, by our veterinarian community. But it is off label and very interesting. So. Not, the FDA does not approve it for use in animals, um, but veterinarians can use it, what we call 
um, extra label drug. So, but we have to use that with caution because if um, if we do use it off label, then it's not really regulated as that use. And if anything, a reaction would you know happen to the pet with the use of these human drugs, and that could be detrimental to the pet. Um, we can kind of sort of get in trouble. So we don't like to do that a lot. But so uh, trazodone basically is used for anxiety. So again, we need to treat the body and the mind because remember that cycle, that snowball effect, and it's just nonstop. Pain causes anxiety. Anxiety causes pain, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to end our show pretty soon here. And I just want you to think about what we talked about, but I also want to, you know, how do you find a holistic vet? So if you got a pen and paper, the ahvma.org is the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association.org, and they are the organization that you would, it says find a practitioner right there on their website. So wherever you're located, you put in your zip code and you can find a practitioner. So tune in next week, folks. Um, We're going to continue this discussion on pain and pets, and we're going to talk about now more holistic approaches to pain, rehabilitation, and physical medicine to treat pain. So happy St. Patty's Day again, and everybody have a great weekend. Bye-bye now. Thank you for being a part of Pet Panorama this week. Be sure to join Dr. Julie Mayer for another edition next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend with your best friend.